0: Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of In The Saddle Podcast. I'm Katie Midwinter and I'll be hosting the show this week. I'm joined by Christopher Loder. And we're going to be looking at all of the action at Haydock, Ascot and maybe a quick look at Punchestown as well because they've got an excellent card there too. But before we look ahead at this weekend's action, let's look back at a, a great November meeting at Cheltenham. Brilliant three days of action and of course the Navin Racing Festival too. Uh, Chris, we were both there on the Saturday. It was a great day, wasn't it? And uh, nice to see all of the In The Saddle Podcast gang. But if you had to pick a highlight at Cheltenham across the three days, what would you say was your highlight?
1: Mm, That is a tough question to start tonight's podcast. I would probably have to say Burdett Road was the horse I came away with, thinking, you know what, he could definitely be a Cheltenham Festival contender now. I know what people are saying, I've seen it out there in, in the racing world, that once it comes to the festival, Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott, Henry de Bromhead, they'll have their, their big guns, even Nicky Henderson could throw on into the mix, you know. Um, once we get to the festival, there'll be more fancy horses, and there might. But I don't think, for quite a while now, we've had a horse as good as Bidette Road, um, That's the a juvenile hurdler who's got that classy flat background that's showing that they can do it, you know, and watching uh, Harry on the day, I, I was a bit concerned about how far back he was, but Harry was really cool um, on him, you know, and when he produced him, he absolutely flew up that hill, won in a canter, beat a few useful types as well, who'd shown some good form going into that race, so I don't think it was a bad run. Um, I think there's a lot more to come from him, and I think he's he deserves his place of the mark ahead of the triumph market at seven to one. So I'm quite to see how it's so excited to see how he gets on. The other one I'll give a mention to as well, Buddy One. I thought that was some performance to carry a big weight at Cheltenham. Obviously, he had that Martin pipe form from the festival last season. And you have to think, next time out, they're going to have to step him up in grade. So, um, yeah, they're probably the two that I came away with on Saturday, thinking, yeah, they could go on to some uh, good things.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely with you there on Buddy One. Uh, He was a big fancy for both of us on the day, wasn't he? And we were both pretty pleased to see him um, get the victory. But, yeah, going back to Burdett Road, I remember talking to you about it when he ran at Huntingdon and I wasn't too impressed with his jumping on that occasion. Um, and that's what put me off him really ahead of this race at Cheltenham. But like you, I was really impressed with the manner of which he, he came from the rear of the field swiftly enough for showing plenty of speed and class to, to go and get up that hill and finish in front. I don't think the, the strength and depth in that race was necessarily the best. And as you touched upon, I know, really manage will probably have a couple that maybe will put in more impressive performances in, in the coming months. But, you know, he definitely deserves his place towards the head of the market. As you say, he's done nothing wrong really, apart from maybe a couple of novice errors over his hurdles. But if he is able to, you know, improve on his jumping, then he definitely has, has the class to be a contender when it does come to the triumph hurdle. But There's a lot to be done between now and March, and and we'll just see if he even gets there. Because I remember getting quite excited about Scriptwriter after he won this race last year and he didn't even turn up in the in the in the Triumph the festival and he's now uh, living life down under in Australia with a a new name. So things can change pretty quickly. Um but no, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on going forward and an exciting one for James Owen there. I have to say my highlight was probably on the Sunday when in you made her debut for Pimlico Racing in the, in the opening race. It was quite special. She's a gorgeous mare and uh, she almost got there. Uh, Sean Bowen gave her a great ride, staying up well up that hill. Um, but it was initially quite disappointing because uh, she came so close. But I think there's a lot to look forward to with her and hopefully she'll be winning her maiden soon.
1: Yeah, she, it was a really good effort from her, wasn't it? Um, maybe not the strongest race in the world, but uh, yeah, she uh, ran an absolute blinder. Um, I just want to get back to Burdette Road quickly. Um, I actually had a little bit of prior insight because I was actually working at Huntington that day and Harry Cobden on Burdette Road was really complimentary. And even though I agree, like UK he didn't look much at the time. Um, he was really impressed and he said we're going to the Cheltenham trial straight away within 30 seconds of getting off the horse and speaking to the connections. And another thing that I think people might forget, and even though I have seen one or two people say about it, I think he will handle the preliminaries really well at the festival because you got to think he's got that flat experience. He ran at Royal Ascot, you know, where there's always going to be a hub, a big buzz, so it won't be a strange um event for him to go to the festival. Whereas sometimes with these juveniles, these younger horses, if they come over from Willie Gordon, they've got one maybe a little bit buzzy. They might just get put off by the big atmosphere. So th- that's just another thing I would throw into the ring with Badette Road. You know, he's got the experience, he's got the big t shirt of running at a really big race meeting. So yeah, don't don't um underestimate that. What
0: did you think was the best performance of the weekend,
1: Chris? Uh you kind of have to say John Bond, don't you? I mean, I think I've always been a massive fan of the horse. So like I really got annoyed with people dissing him. Um, I was actually there when he won um, on hurdles debut at Newbury, at, uh, the 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 um, goal Gold Cup meeting. Um, and I was really impressed with the way he did it. I think he was cut, of course, fourth one for the Supreme, but then uh, then he had Constitution Hill run a few weeks later and then um, kind of uh, stole the limelight from him. But uh, John Bond, you know, like last season, he did really well over fences, I thought, uh, bumped into Al Fabiolo, but... To me, that was definitely the best performance he's ever put up. Now people are saying he hasn't beaten much, but he's pretty much beaten the best two mile chasers pretty comfortably on this side of the Irish Sea anyway. The likes of Edward Stone, Nuba Negra. I don't think there were many other names that, that could have turned up, you know. Obviously Al Fabiolo is probably the one he's gotta beat at next year's festival. But what is he now? He's run about five to two shot. I think El Fabiolo's around about the even money mark. Of course, we, we haven't seen El Fabiolo yet this season, but John Bond 5-2 to two after that performance, you know, if, if they were the same prices on the day and John Bond goes on to win the Tingle Creek and is, doesn't really put a foot wrong until the champion chase, I mean, that looks appealing to me. Well, I don't know what you think about John Bond, Katie. Yeah, I
0: really like John Bond. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him because he's... Well, because of the big price tag, he's always been subject to plenty of criticism and sometimes it's been unwarranted um, because he's only been beaten by two incredible horses in Constitution Hill and El Fabiolo and that's no disgrace at all. So I was really pleased to see him win as he did. And I think I remember reading, seeing or, or hearing Harry Skelton saying after the race that to do that on on softish ground, it was it's quite impressive because he just kept quickening and, and he kept on so well all the way towards the line. And he just quickened away from the other three who you mentioned that, you know, they're pretty decent in their own right, um, all three of them. So for him to be able to do that and really stamp his authority in this division, in, in Britain at least, uh, it was really great to see. And I was yeah really pleased to, to see him put in a performance like that. Um, so definitely I was impressed with him too. If we're looking ahead at the champion chase now, I'm not sure I'd be backing him over El Fabiolo, but there's plenty of water to go under the bridge between now and then, and we're going to have to see how they get on um, in their engagements prior to the festival. But no, it was definitely a very good performance by John Bon. I'd have to say my favourite performance was probably for Vega and Navin. I thought he was really impressive. I was... A little bit worried after the first fence, but then his jumping really improved and he did it comfortably enough in the end and just what you'd want on his first, first start over fences. He's always shaped as though he'd improved when going chasing. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this year uh, because he's a real favourite of mine um, and I think he's had a lot of unwarranted criticism um, towards him as well. So he's one that I'd really like to see him prove himself and go on to win at the festival too. Uh, In the pocket from that race, you'd think he could improve plenty for that running. Maybe he wasn't fully wound up for it, uh, but he's definitely going to be one to watch with interest going forward as well. I'd have to say at Cheltenham though, I thought Stage that ran a blinder in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. And he's a horse that I haven't never really given him the credit he deserves. Uh, He was a really good winner of the Turners and he's proved that that was no fluke. Um... And I think probably on that day I kind of just made excuses for some of the others rather than really giving the credit to Stage Star because I didn't think he was quite as good as he's shown he is. Um so I think to win the the handicap there, giving the weight away and obviously making that mistake at the last, which it probably should have should have cost him. Um he was able to recover and still go and win his race now. And, and I think it was just a, a real testament to him. So I'd have to say Stage Star really Finally, I'm going to give him the
1: credit he deserves. Yeah, definitely. I was actually with him when he won the the Ryanair that day. And I went for not long till May in the race. He ran an absolute blinder as well. And I think uh, quite a few people had to uh, swallow their pride with, with that result. A lot of people after the race were saying, no, I'm not sh- sure about the strength of the form. But yeah, stay shy, not long till May. Definitely proved that it was no flash in the pan. Just going back to that novice chase, Katie, as well, um, I thought the, the two uh, two horses that finished in behind Vega you mentioned in the pocket, I think maybe stepping up in trip, that could bring out some improvement. He was a real eye catcher. But I thought the horse that's, um, that finished in third, San Felician of um, Gordelius, he ran an absolute cracker um, of a race, I thought. He, he was a bit of a tear away on the front. But to be fair, we'd not seen him for the best part of 18 months. And He's got a really likely race profile. He, he won um, a, a race at Gorham Park on debut for Gordon Elliott. And then he was pitched in against a load of experienced horses in um, in a grade three hurdle. And yes, he was four to five odds on favourite that day. But he was beaten by by Durasso, who is no mug, has always been a really good horse for connections. And I just thought that with him still only being a novice then... He did, he did well, and um, yeah, he got pulled up in the Coral Cup when he was sent off favourite, but he came back, and I, I really like the way he jumped at a lot of his fences, and I think he'll come on for that, I think it will be a really uh, strong novice chase, the, the form will work out really well, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him win a big race this season, but obviously still early days, yet. Yeah, but it was good to see him come back to a bit of form, I quite liked him.
0: Right, now we're going to look ahead at this weekend's action. There's lots to look forward to. And the first race that we're going to be previewing is the opening race on the card at Haydock. It's the Betfair Racing Podcast, Newton, Novices Hurdle. It's a grade two. And Bowens Park is the market leader at nine to four. Primos for Lucinda Russell at three to one. Making headway for Oliver Greenall and Josh Greer at four to one. Cam Zinas for Fergal O'Brien at 92, and bigger are the rest. Now, I have a strong fancy in this one, Chris, and it is the market leader, Bowens Park, for Henry Daly. I'm a big fan of this horse. I wanted to be on side of him wherever he went this season. He made a winning start to, to life as a hurdler. Um, when he bolted up at
1: Stratford.
0: So I'm really looking forward to seeing him back out now. But I know that you're going to go against him. You're going to go for one of the others. Do you want to reveal who that is?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'll just say, Bones Park, I've got absolutely nothing against him. And he could easily go on and, and improve from that nice win at Stratford. But Camasinas for Paddy Brennan and Fergal O'Brien in the Noel feely racing colours. I thought Paddy definitely didn't have his finest hour in the saddle at Cheltenham last time out, he finished second behind Lookaway, who didn't run too badly to finish second uh, in the Great Wood at Cheltenham last weekend, but if you go back and watch the race replay, Paddy, he went looking for trouble, Um, he he tries to go up the inside, he gets shut off, he then tries to go round again, and he gets cut off, he, he kept running into every gap he could possibly find, whereas Lookaway was on the front end, was in no trouble, and could just eat, just get on with whatever it is he wanted to do, which was to go and win the race, so Camasinas, I think you have to really mark up that performance, and I think if Paddy had kept him out of trouble, I think there wouldn't have been much in it, and he might have even been able to get the better of Lookaway, so, I do think that that, that that performance should be marked up a bit more than, than what the market's given credit for. I, I personally think he should be second favourite in the race. I think 9-2 isn't a bad price at all. Um, I think it's probably between Bowens Park and Camasinas. Um, for me, I, I, I don't think there should be too much in the bed. And if Paddy can uh, keep out of trouble this time, I think there's a lot more to offer from him because if you look at his profile, I've been impressed with what he's been doing. I thought the win two starts ago at Worcester was really impressive. And for me, I just really like his this horse's chances of running a, a good race. And like I say, I, I, think, I think the money could come for him. So interesting to see how he gets on in, in the opener at Haydock.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see your case with Cam Um, And yeah, it definitely might be between Cam Zinas and Bowens Park here but again I just have to side with Bowens Park because I'm really excited by this horse and he's proven himself at grade 2 level albeit in a bumper when he finished fourth um, in the grade 2 bumper Aintree uh, behind Florida Dreams that was a really good performance by him and he was a bit of an eye catcher as well running on strongly towards the finish um, I just think there's so much more improvement to come from him and he's a really exciting prospect for Henry Daly so I think he's going to be very difficult to be, if he does take another step forward now the second race that we're going to look at at haydock is the 115 and that is the best odds on the betfair exchange handicap hurdle the class two and park hill dancer is the market leader at four to one can funnock at nine to two, Fingles Hill at six to one, Park Annonciade at seven to one, Lutro Lad nine to one, Lack the Constants at ten to one, and bigger are the rest. Chris, this is, an, this is an interesting looking race where you can make a case for a few of these horses in here. Was there anyone that took your fancy?
1: Yeah, well, to start off with things, I'm not that keen on the favourite. I know he's got two ones to, next to his name, but this is a this is a big step up. I mean, he could have. More improvements come and the other in tremendous form at the moment. Nicky's going great guns, but four to one favourite in a race like this? I don't think so. I thought Stuart Crawford's runners were both interesting. Um, but again, I'm I'm gonna leave him alone. The one that I, I really like is Fingles Hill of Craig Nickel and Peter Atkinson. I actually like this trainer, Peter Atkinson. I remember he had a good mare a few years ago called Irish Row and I used to back her quite a lot and she did me a few good turns, but I just think over this trip, he's got a little bit more to offer. Now, this horse won at Carlisle um, a couple of weeks ago, but I really like the way that he did it. He's always suggested that he, he needs a run, but he, he seems to, to me to have a bit more left in the tank, and I, I just like the way that he bowed on to, to get away from Shallow River. Um, he's been raised a few pounds for, for that win, he's been raised. Uh, four pounds, but I think there's a little bit more to come from him. I think over this trip that he's definitely uh, got the winning habit. In fact, he's actually won his last four starts, and he's just a horse that I can see maybe the handicap has not quite gone to him yet, and I could see him maybe being a mid one thirty horse. Whereas I think a few in here could be a little bit exposed. They're maybe not ready for this race yet, or that they're, they're out of form. So for me, I think Fingal's Hill. I think the money could come from you know, I think th- I think he could go off close to favourite come um, post-time. Um, he's got the right profile. Uh, It was a good win last time out. He's got uh, a bit more to offer over this trip as well. For me, I think there's a lot of positives for Fingles Hill, but he would be my selection in the race.
0: I'm quite keen on the chances of Can Funnock for Stuart Crawford, Daryl Jacob on board. He was well beaten by Jorinko at Perth when last seen, but he has shown ability in the past. He has some good bumper form Behind a number of, of decent horses, including Fasal Vega. And I think a mark of 128 could still be quite lenient, uh, and there could still be a bit more improvement to come from him. So I'm quite keen on, on his chances in the race, but I can definitely see your case. Um, and there are also a couple of others in here that you could make a case for. It's quite an open race. Now, the next race that we're going to be looking at on the card at Haydock is the 150 Betford Exchange Graduation Chase Class 2. Gaia Demaniel, the national hunt chase winner, is the favourite at seven to four. Grey Dawning at two to one. Apple Away five to two. Scipion thirty-three to one. Hardy Bloke at sixty-six to one. A, a nice five-runner field in here, Chris. I think there's only three, the top three, um, at the head of the market that really could have a realistic chance of winning on paper and on ratings. But uh, was there one that you had a strong fancy for?
1: No. Particularly. I think this is probably one of the more trappier races of the day and I could see any of the top three winning. For me, Gallia now I just wonder if if what well, I just wonder what his trip is. Like I mean he is a, a national contender, but does he ever really get home over those trips and yeah. And I, I, I don't know, like, I think it's going to oh, be... Well, I,
0: I think you're being a bit harsh with him, like I think he's a thorough stayer. He got third in the ancient Grand National, so he's definitely been getting home.
1: Uh, yeah, but, like, I, I don't know. There's just there's just something about him. Like, I think he's just a consistent horse that... I don't know if he'll ever have a proper big day in the sun. I mean, I know he won at the Cheltenham Festival, but that race really fell apart. Um oh mm. it did didn't it with blood yeah
0: no it did but you know he was beaten seven ninths by a well-in covert rambler at aintree he's a very consistent horse as you said um but i think when he's been finishing second and third it's been behind some some really group one level horses some classy types uh galloping the champs long press bob ollinger when he was at his best uh, even if you look back at his form, he he was beating the likes of Gentleman's Game and Ashdale Bob and, and other horses when he has won his races. And yeah, no, he's a very consistent horse. I think he's the best in here. But you are right with the trip. This might be short enough for him and sharp enough. But if the ground is testing, then that will play into his into his hands. And I am hoping that he's going to be at his best here. Patrick Mullins comes over to ride too, so I'm hoping that's a good sign. Um, and I do hope the support comes from him because I'm I'm quite keen on his chances. I think Gray Dawning could be closer to Apple away than, than many, many people expect him to be. Um, maybe it was uh, too much of a, a test of stamina for him last time out, but he's a, he's an exciting prospect for Dan Skelton. Apple away, of course, won the Sashton at Aintree, beating Maximilian. Um, but... Yeah, you know, she's an exciting mare too for connections, and they clearly think a lot of her. And she's got a few ones for her name now. She's bidding for her fourth successive win, but this is a first run over fences, and she's spitting the deep end here against the, such an experienced place as Gaia Demania. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, well, you, you've just hit the nail right on the head, though. What I was going to say about Apple Away. Why is she running here? Because she had. Four entries this weekend, and arguably this is probably the hardest one on paper. I mean, I'm going to be on Huntington on Saturday, and she had an entry to run in the mayor's race there. And I mean, it's a bit of a a Mickey Mouse race, if to be f- frank about it, you know. I mean, if they wanted to give her a nice run over fences first time out, I mean, she's only got to beat. I think it's 120 rated uh mare. That's a good mare, but. Nothing special, you know. So they've could have really gone down the easy route with her. I mean, running here, they're getting a good share of prize money, but she's had lots of entries over the last few weeks. Not eating. Was well, so not she
0: entered in Carlisle a few weeks ago as well, wasn't she, when Maximilian was entered
1: too? Yeah, she was entered there. I've seen her entered at Worcester, I've seen her entered at loads of places over the last few weeks. So you're thinking, why haven't they run her? You know, like there's been ample opportunities to run her and they're turning her up in a pretty deep race um, yeah. a- against the boys. First time out, Chase debut. I mean, she must be do, like... Do
0: you take that as confidence in her? They must be quite bullish about her if they, they what... think she's got a good chance in this, to finish at least in the top two.
1: Well, the market's come for her. I mean, she was six to one. Was she? When the Dex... I
0: thought she'd been drifting a little bit. because she's. I think best price is five to two, and... Maybe you'd expect her to be a little bit closer in price to Grey Dawning. But as I said, I think the fact that Grey Dawning is back down in trip now maybe didn't quite see out at the three miles at Exeter when he was beaten by Stay Away Faye. That um, maybe he'd be a little bit closer to Apple away this time here. Um, it's a tricky one. I think the market... The, the money has come a little bit for Gaia de Manil because he was a little bit bigger than... Well, the shortest price now is six to four. You can get about him. So I think on paper, surely Gaia de Manil should win this. But it just depends what Gray, Running and Apple Away are going to do. Because they're the two unexposed ones in here, really, aren't they?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Apple Away, getting back to her again. I mean, she likes to go off and make the run-in normally. And if she's been schooling well and been tearing up the gallops, you know, if she gets into a good rhythm uh, and sure, maybe what we've think she is at home by the way that they've entered her here. I mean, she just could be really hard to peg back. Um, you know, Greg Dawning, I didn't think it was a bad run at Exeter on debut. As you say, you might not seen out of the trip. If you go back and watch the replay, I really thought stay away Fade was beat. Um, but he did really well to rally. I think that wasn't a bad novice chase. I think the form there could work out. And probably this is a, a good move running Bad down and trip for Grey dawning but I would probably personally leave this race alone. I I could see all three of them winning. Um, but you have to really sit up and take note with with the declaration for Apple Away because like I say, she could have run at Huntington this this weekend, you know, and had a really easy introduction. Um so yeah, that 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 speaks enough for me. I mean, if I had to give a selection, I probably would just go for Apple Away with the fact that she's getting the mayor's allowance as well. She's grade one winner. Could be an easy lead for her. She jumps well. She just could be hard to peg back. But five to two, the price is gone now. Um, I'd just be happy to let her win. But um, yeah, like I say, like Gaia de Manil, Grade One, and Appleway, any of them could win.
0: Yeah, she is getting £18 from Gaia de Manil, which could really make all of the dif- difference, you know. Um, so it's an interesting one, though. it would be interesting to see how it pans out. And as you said, maybe Appleway, she'll get to the front, get into a good rhythm, but she has to prove herself over the fences first and foremost, you know, Um, that's going to be crucial to her because she's, she has never raced over fences as of yet. Um, So that is a question mark until she's, she actually goes and does it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, but like I say, they've entered her in a really, deep race to start off her chase career and um she she must be showing all the right signs at home and they could have found much more easier opportunities than what she's getting so that must speak a lot
0: yeah right we're moving on from a five runner race to a a 16 runner race in the betford serial winners stay as handicap hurdles fifth race on the card in the 220 at haydock I thought this was one of the more interesting races of the whole weekend, actually, because there's so many that you can make a case for in this race. And Crambo and Slate Lane are currently both sharing favoritism at 7 to 2. Lord Schnuti is at 8 to 1. Dubrovnik Harry at 11 to 1. Fine Margin, making his day before Willie Mullins, at 12 to 1. Bold Endeavour at 14 to 1. Tom and Gower Road also at 14 to 1 and bigger are the rest. As I said Chris, a race in which you could make a case for a number of horses in here. Um, I definitely have a few on my shortlist but how about you? How many did you have on your shortlist?
1: Okay well I was actually going to let you go first here because I know you've got a really big fancy and I will have a saver on him but I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm not going to rain on your parade. So I'll let you have uh, that one in a minute. But um, yeah, I thought this was very, very tricky. Um, Crambo, Slate Lane, can see the case for them. Uh, Lord Snooty, he could have a little bit more to offer. He's only a six-year-old. Christian Williams... Not doing too badly at the moment. I quite like Bold Endeavour as a horse. If he goes to the front, sometimes it can be hard to pick back front runners at Haydock, especially on the hurdle course. Um, but the one I landed on was Santos Blue for, for Ben Sutton, claiming seven, riding for Dan Skelton. Seeing this one been a little bit of money for round about 16 to 1 shot now, was 20s earlier. Uh, Santos Blue, just one of these horses that just keep progressing through the handicap and always seems to be very well found in the market. it has gone off favourite on quite a few occasions, but I just thought his run behind Crambo last time out should be marked up a, a little bit more. Um He actually lost the whip on that occasion, Ben Sutton, which might have made a little bit of difference. I mean, Crambo, to be fair, did win quite easily, but I just wonder if he's going to be suited by this step-up and trip, and I quite like the form of, of um, Santos Blue's third uh Cheltenham, behind Broadway Boy, who obviously won at Cheltenham last week, and um, not a bad little race there, and he's really taken off a, as a novice chaser, so I do think that form isn't that bad, and he's in with a chance here, um, I think he's still unexposed over this trip, he's still a very young horse, young horses that have an upward curve, tend to do quite well in this, uh, some of the, more exposed types, yes, they might look well handicapped, but they could face difficult tasks against some of these more unexposed types. I thought Gal Road was interested in trying the trip. Loved this horse over the last few seasons, but he's got a long layoff to define. I'm not sure about him getting the trip, but it's interesting that he's running here. But for me, I quite like Santos Blue. I, I think you'll get a decent run for your money. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Dan Skelton's target this... Um, And for me, I think 16 to 1 is a fair each-way price.
0: Yeah, Santos blue. He finished third behind Broadway Boy, didn't he, on his first start over three miles in April. So, you know, the form has been frank, and he's proven stamina over this trip. So he's definitely a reliable each-way selection in this race. But I did have a few on my shortlist here. Um, I think first and foremost, you have to look towards the top of the market and Slate Lane in those colours for Emmett Mullins, demands respect. Um, I saw him at Bangorondi in the summer, and he's a really good-looking horse, a flashy chestnut. Uh, he's, he, well, he run comfortably as expected, and he, he's run three times in Britain now, his last three runs. Um, he could still be well-handicapped off a mark of 127, uh, possibly capable of, of per- performing off a higher mark than that. And he is unexpected, at this level but this is the toughest challenge he's faced um so you know we have to wait and see if he can do it at this level because it's going to be much tougher than what he's than the races that he has been running in but he's definitely an interesting one and the other coming over from ireland as well for william Mullins, fine margin that i touched upon he's making his debut for william Mullins, and he's a bit of an unknown quantity uh he once placed in a point-to-point run by corbett's cross but he's yet to win under rules and it would be some feat for him to land his maiden in a race such as this wouldn't it on his first start for the yard um so they're definitely two for the shortlist and and two to consider but then i had a couple from an each way angle and the first one that i looked at was a course and distance winner in emmeton um now he's had a bit of a resurgence since joining alan king he beat Highland at Newbury and the form of that race has been franked as Highland went on to win at Cheltenham and last seen. Um, he won a group two in the past as well and he looks as though he still possesses plenty of ability. He did have a quiet spell, but as I mentioned, he's had a, a switch now to Alan King's Yard and, and it looks to have sparked something in him once again. So I think if he's able to continue um, in that form, then... He could be very well handicapped off one two seven. He's a he's a very good horse on his day, and he's a nice each way price at fourteen to one. But my main fancy in this race, and it's a bit of a hopeful fancy, but I think I found quite an interesting angle that I was telling you about earlier, on, Chris. Because I'm quite excited by this horse, and it's Carbon King, the outsider of the field for Evan Williams at sixty six to one. Now the piece of form that really caught my eye was his 12-length success over Buddy One at Limerick in January when he was trained by Declan and Queeley. He's shown little in two stats over two miles for Evan Williams. He joined the yard. Um, he was bought in May, I think, for £28,000. Now, that's a lot of money to pay for a horse that doesn't have um, that much prize money to his name. So they hopefully, and i thinking that they clearly think that he has the ability to land some decent prize money for them. Um, he's dropped a total of £7 in two runs for Evan Williams, and I think the the trip was inadequate for him, and he wasn't really put into the race at Ascot when last seen. In the race prior to that, I think he probably just went too quickly in the front and then lost all chance from there. But if he's able to rediscover some of that form from earlier in the year, I think he's got a really good chance of making the frame at a huge price. Uh, He runs off a mark of one two six here. He's £26 lower than what Buddy One is rated now. Uh, He won a competitive handicap bird at Cheltenham on Saturday, as we spoke about earlier on, and he previously finished third in the Martin Pipe at the festival. So I think if you're taking that Buddy One form into consideration, he received £7 from him when he beat him at Limerick, I think. Off a mark of one two six,
1: he surely has to have a decent chance in here. Yeah, definitely. Like when you were saying earlier about him and uh, I had got rounds looking at the decks, uh, that bit of form of Buddy One really stands out. And even in the pedigree, it would give you hope that he's going to stay this trip. There's quite a bit of stamina, especially on the dam side. There's a few uh, horses that have got three miles, so yeah, that shouldn't be an issue. And the fact that that win was over two and a half miles. That would give you a lot of hope that definitely stepping back up in trip is anyway is going to give around a little bit of improvement. It looks like a, a, a really good handicap job, if it is so, by M. Williams. This is the kind of thing sometimes he does. Um, run him over two miles, run, run him over the wrong trip, get the handicap mark down. And as you say, he's, he, he's dropped seven pounds in, in two runs off a mark of 126. Um. Yeah, I I think there's a lot to like about him uh, personally, and I've seen worse sixty-six to one chances. So, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. And if
0: you're taking that form with Buddy One, he's beaten him twelve lengths when he's been receiving seven pounds, but Buddy One is now rated one five two, so off one two six. I know it's a different race. It's a different time, but he could be very well handicapped, and. Uh, I've looked back at his last two runs and he just, he wasn't really in a position where he could challenge and now stepping up in trip, I think it, it could make all of the difference to him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even some of the horses that he beat in that race at Navan by your side, he's beaten a couple of useful horses there. So yeah, I, I think over this kind of trip, there's a lot more he, he, he could do and yeah, he, it's an interesting runner for everyone, that's for sure. He actually won the race a couple of years ago, I think when he landed a bit of a touch with Don Lavar. I think he was about 40s when he opened up and he won at 16. So, yeah, the, the trainer does have previous in this race.
0: We'll definitely be cheering if he wins on Saturday and, and we'll him at 66 to 1, that's for sure. Um, But there, the next race we're going to look at on the card is the future race of the day, and that is the 3 o'clock Betfair Chase, Grade 1. A four-runner field here, Chris, which initially was maybe a bit of a disappointment, but it is a very high-quality race. All the same, we've got the King George winner in here, the runner-up in the Gold Cup. We've got the Grand National winner. We've got last year's winner of the Betfair Chase. And we've got a very good horse and a course specialist in Royal Pagai. Now, who were you siding with in this one? I know Brave Man's game is going to be difficult to beat, but there may be some people that are a little bit worried about him after that run at, um, at Weatherby. So are you siding with Brave Man's game here, or are you going to take him on?
1: I think he's the most likely winner of the race, that's for sure. I mean, you don't need to look at the odds to tell you that. He's 10 to eleven favourite. But that performance at Weatherby would just worry me. I think he had every chance to win that, um, and I know he did make the mistake at the end. And Cobden got a few, a few comments afterwards saying, "Why didn't he push the button earlier?" Which maybe he should have, in hindsight. But Nichols. A lot of his horses have needed the run this season. I remember it was around about this period where Brave Man's game won. It It wasn't just him. There was a few other horses that, uh, that were running around that time. I think Tamouris is one that springs to mind. Ran an absolute shocker, and Chase debut. And there was a few others as well. Um, I remember Nappers Hill got done first time out this season um, behind Unexpected Party and then obviously went on to improve massively at Wincanton. So... Maybe he did need the run. Um, I think the drying out ground would definitely suit Brave Man's game. But I don't know. I mean, I was just a a bit disappointed with his finishing effort last time out. Uh, I've always found found to me that Brave Man's game is a horse that's got a high natural cruising speed. And when it comes to a nitty gritty in a fight, I, I don't know if... If if, if if another horse eyeballs him, if he if he would go through with it, um, so that that's what I would be slightly concerned about. I mean, Protectorat is a horse that, um, I just think his best days are behind him now. Now I know Dan and would have prepped him for this. This is his cup final, as it were. But for me, even though yes he was impressive visually last season, looking back at it now, it was just a glorified uh grade one veterans chase to be honest with you i mean bristol demoye rodon their best days were clearly behind them you know and alderado allen as much as i love the horse i mean he never really went on last season and he, he kind of fell away ended up running in a handicap company so i think you can i think you can mark down protector out there and even dan scout said himself that, um quotes this week, saying that a lot of his horses need to run first time out, Crouch Rambler, I think it's all about next year, so I've kind of come around to Royal Pagai, I've never been a massive fan of this horse, I've never really jumped in in the club with, with this horse, but I do think if he's ever going to win a grade one, this could be it, Venetia Williams horse horses have been in, in flying form, she can get them fresh, and I just think, coming to Haydock, this is his track. He handles bad ground. I'm, I think the ground won't be terrible at Haydock. It won't be bottomless as we've seen in the past. But I think it could still take some getting. So that would that would suit him. Um, and when he ran in this race previously, he bumped into a Plutar, who I just think was in, in a different world that day. And you can get a few freak results of winning distances in this race. We've seen it over the years with the likes of bristol May So I'm not, I'm tempted to forgive him that, but I think if he's ever going to win a grade one, this could be his race. And nine to one, I think it's too big of a price. So from a value perspective, I think Royal Pagay, this is D-Day for him. And uh, he would be my selection in the in the race through process of elimination.
0: I think this is a race in which our opinions differ massively, Chris. We were talking about it earlier, and I think our opinions on each one of the horses um, are really different. Going back to your point on Braveman's game to begin with, I think you're being quite harsh on him, saying that he he's not a battler, that he won't he won't find when he's eyeballed by another horse. I just think he's, well, you know, when he was beaten by by. Um, galloping the champs in the gold cup he was just beaten by a better horse on the day but brave man's game for me is the cleanest chaser in training at the moment i think he's the best jumper of fence um that there is i just love watching him jumping and i think that mistake at the last um in the charlie hall chase it was it was so unlike him because he's usually so fluent and effective over his fences and I think he just lost all momentum. Um, you know, we saw Gallup in the Champs in the Gold Cup. He made plenty of errors in behind, but he was able to handle them, overcome them, stay with the pack and keep going. And he has so much speed in class that he was able to to win despite that. But I think with Brain Man's game, he isn't used to making mistakes. And it can really put a horse off when they lose all of that momentum. And Gentleman's game, he he was off the bridle, you know, a few fences out. He was being pushed along, niggled along. And to his credit, he stayed with Brayman's game. You know, he's a really exciting horse for Mouse, Morris and Connections. But, you know, he was always battling. um, Whereas Brayman's game, he was traveling smoothly enough before making that mistake. And it's just completely put him off. Uh, You know, sometimes you can see horses that, they make a mistake and they're able to recover, but he didn't get much of a chance to recover. Um, and he's lost so much speed as well. You mentioned his high cruising speed, and definitely does have a high cruising speed. But <clears throat> he's lost all of that speed when he's made that mistake, and it's difficult to get back to top speed. Then you know it does take a, take a while to get back to it. Whereas Gentleman's getting kept on galloping. At the same pace, he just kept going and maybe in the end as well, you can factor in that he was perhaps the fitter horse on the day too. But I really think that Brayman's game would have would have won or definitely been a little bit closer had he not made that mistake. And I think it is a bit harsh to, to uh, go against him because of that. And then looking at rat I'm not sure how you can say he's passed his best because he's only an eight year old and he's consistent enough, I'd say. You know, he finished fourth behind the Hoysignor at Cheltenham. That wasn't the best form at all. But, you know, maybe it just wasn't his day. You can perhaps forgive him that. He finished fifth in in the Gold Cup once again. I think he has a mountain to climb to to match up to Brave Man's game, but you know, Royal guy was behind him in six, uh about nine lengths behind in, in the same Gold Cup. Um so I think he's got an even bigger mountain to climb to to get to the level of Rayman's game. Um but still for protector at fifth it was a you know fair enough result for him in the end. He ran his race as well as he could and he finished respectably enough. Um so I think you are being a little bit harsh on him there because to be fair to him, you know, he, he won his race in good fashion last year as well. It wasn't the deepest renewal. And as you mentioned, Frodon, Bristol the Mai both passed their peak. I love both of them dearly, but you know, they're not quite the force of old. Uh, Bristol the Mai is now retired, of course, but Frodon isn't performing at grade one level anymore. Um, but you know, Protector Protectorat has to be respected, but I don't think he's gonna get close to Brave Man's game and I don't think any of them will I am one that is definitely in the Royal Pagai fan club but I still I cannot make a case for him here um, I love the horse he does like it at Haydock, but this is this is unbelievably tough for him if Brave Man's game is in any way at the races on Saturday I think it's going to be an easy win for him
1: yeah and I I agree with you but I'm just going from a value perspective here if Roopa guy's ever going to win a grade 1 i think it's going to be this weekend if if he ever is like and i just think that there's still I, I like i i think you want to see a good performance from brave man's game and i'm not i'm not 100% convinced i'm going to see it if if i if i just have a bet in the race that that's purely where i'm coming from here
0: i think brave man's game is value at his current price to be honest I, i'm pretty sure i saw a bit of even money earlier on and I think at a shade of odds one that could be value because he's so much better than the others. He clearly is I think on city six pounds clear Protector rat, but I think that 166 rating it does flatter Protector rat a little bit. Um I I would say that, but still he's six pounds clear and even more I think he should be clear clearer than that. Yeah, no, Because he's such he's such a good horse. And I and as I said, he's such a clean jumper 99% of the time, and I can't
1: see any of them getting close to him. Okay, well we'll just have to see what happens on Saturday. But like I say I've just got one or two little niggles in the back of my mind with Brave Man's game. But clearly if he if he replicates his form from last season, I mean, yeah, he, he's gonna take all the beating. But I just have one or two Doubts in my mind, so I, I'm happy to, to, to let him win at that price. And if I was to have a bet with Royal Pagai's course record and Venetia in flying form, I just think 9 to 1, I do, I do think that's uh, too big. I, I personally think he should be more around about the 9 to 2 mark, personally. So I think 9 to 1 isn't a bad price there. And maybe you could even bet in the without market, you know, um, maybe him to finish second. I think I'm not sure what price he is, but yeah, like. That would make more appeal to me.
0: Right, we'll see who comes out on top on Saturday. Maybe we'll have a little bet on it, Chris. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'll buy you a burger the next time we go racing or something. All
0: right, that's a deal. I'll look forward to you buying me a burger because Brain Man's game is, well, he should win, we'll say that. But now, let's move on to the 3.35. It's the final race on the card at Haydock. the Betfair free racing multiple today, handicap chase, class two. And Famous Bridge is the market leader at three to one. Credo at 11 to two. Doc picked me at six to one. Six to one, I'm afraid. I had to check that. Doc picked me. I was going to say do pick. I wasn't sure about that. It's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Wastel (laughs) Dundalk. No problem with that. At 8-1. Eleanor Bob at 9-1. to City Ishmael at 9-1. to one, And bigger are the rest. A bit of a tricky race, this one. I didn't have a strong fancy in it, to be honest. But was there anyone that you liked in here, Chris?
1: There was one that I did quite like in here. And that was Doc Pickme Me for um, Henry Brooke and um, Richard Hobson. I really like Richard There it. you
0: go. You've got the correct pronunciation there. Doc picks Me.
1: Yeah, Doc Pick Me. Yeah, well, I, I really like Rich Thompson as a trainer. I think he, he he's a shrewd one and uh, he, he does really well with the horses he gets through his hands. But I just think this horse, if he goes out in front and gets into a good rhythm, he could just be really hard to pass. I really like some of his form going back through his career. You know, he, he's always shown a, a good attitude for stamina. Like He won um, races at Seville last year, Doncaster... He's shown that he is improving. And I thought the run last time out when he was just beaten uh, by head by Ongar, uh, who uh, travelled there like a dream that day. Um, I think that was quite a good race. You had Major D back in third as well who won a Midlands National. I, I don't think it's bad form. And I, I really like this horse's jumping. And um, if he can get into a good rhythm out on the front end of things, I, I do think he's got a nice race in him. Um, I think he'll strip a little bit fitter. Henry Brooke as well has um, ridden him in the past before. In fact, he actually won on him at Doncaster when he was previously trained by um, Harry Worthington. So he, he does know the horse. So that's definitely not a negative in, in, in my book. And and for me, I, I just quite like him. I quite like his profile. I just think there's a few others in here that you've got question marks on. I mean, Eleanor, Bob, Venetia's flying at the moment. She could improve. Siddi Ishmael's a horse, that often goes well fresh but top weight that is a little bit of concern coconut splash um been quite a few things said about him on social media in the past is he gonna stay maybe who knows um and then captain or it's well at the bomb probably um looking for an opportunity to get his handicap mark down again um so i, I, do, I do think this is a winnable race for for dot pick me famous bridge i'm not sure with Nicky Richards. I'm, I've never been convinced by his jumping famous bridge. So for me, I've landed on Doc me. I think six to one, I think he'll give you a good each way. Um, well, It'll be a good each way better around there. I, I think he's definitely likely to finish in the frame and uh, yeah, he'll do it for me.
0: Moving on to Ascot, we're going to look at the 130 Nirvana's bar, 1965 trace, Braid two, four runner field in here. We've got Shishkin wearing first time cheek pieces up at- six to four on Pick Dory at two to one, Manila Drama at twelve to one, and straw fan jack at forty to one completing the lineup. Now it's no secret that I'm a huge fan of Shishkin and this is definitely the easy assignment on paper um compared with the the Bet Chaser Asker and I think the ground is gonna be much better for him here. Two over two mile five it's gonna suit him and I really hope he makes a winning reappearance because I'm quite keen on his chances in the King George. Um, you know, if he's at the races here then he will definitely have a good chance of winning. He he beat Pick Dory by sixty and at Ascot in February. So he has the beating of him and he's wealthy of the others on ratings too. They're plenty to find to match up to his level. I think the only the only horse that can get Shishkin beaten is himself. Um really because he's become a tricky horse uh, he, he used to be quite straightforward but ever since he had that bone condition when he was pulled up in the champion chase and the ground was absolutely terrible on that day i think everything just went wrong for him and clearly he wasn't right afterwards since then he's he's been a bit of a, a difficult horse to to get right you know he's Stood behind Edwardstone in the Tingle Creek. He never really travelled. And he was up in trip and he he won the Ascot chase very nicely, which was fantastic to see. Um and then he went to the Ryanair chase and he was a beaten favourite when he was sent off for even money. Now I I love Enroy N but I I did think that the best horse was beaten in that race. And not the best horse on the day, because Enroy N was was definitely the best on the day, but Shishkin he made so many mistakes. He never got into a rhythm, and he was having to be, you know, just niggled along every now and then. Really, from the outset by Nico de Boyneville, it was never a smooth run for him, and it really, it really paid in the end for him because you know, once he rallied in the finish, the race was won by n violin and and he just couldn't get to him. I think he did amazingly well to finish as he did in second only two and three-quarter lengths behind the winner. But still, it was a little bit disappointing because you think he, he probably could have won that race. And then, again, at, at Aintree, he let in Senor get away from him. He didn't really have the smoothest of passages through the race, but he was able to rally and show that he has so much class and ability. He was able to to win the race, uh, regardless of, of the little mistakes and errors that he makes. I really hope he's on a going day and even if he does make a few errors then he should still be good enough to win here. Uh, What do you think?
1: Yeah I think this is an interesting race. Um, I'm a big fan of Shishkin. I was there when he returned to winning ways at Ascot. I was against him at Cheltenham. I was against him at Aintree. I was all in favour of a horse and your and um sickening when you when you like a horse and they come and beat the one that you've put up so but fair play to him there. you know he, he, he was impressive and has shown all along he probably wants three miles um i'll you- let
0: you into a little secret chris i went to cheltenham for the champion chase in 2022 and i bought myself a, a scarf in the Donnelly colours. And I was like, all for Shishkin. And there were lots of people there as well. I think you're either, you're either an argument or Shishkin. I was all for Shishkin. And then he was pulled up. I was gutted. And then I went to Cheltenham again this year to see him in the Ryanair with my scarf. And then he was beaten again. And then I went to Aintree and I left my scarf at home because I thought, right, this has been a hoodoo on Shishkin or something. And... Finally he won, so I was absolutely delighted. Um but yeah, I was uh, it was a weird one for Ho Senior, but I have to say I was so pleased to see Shishkin finally win.
1: Yeah, it was it, i mean he's always been a, a fan's favourite, hasn't he? I will never forget the time when he, he beat an ergomane in the Clarence house. For me that's one of my favourite races of all time, you know, and uh, still not sure how he pulled it out of the five. And he's always been a horse that seems to finish his race off really strongly going back to the supreme when he beat abracadabra so yeah um always have been a very talented horse cheap pieces go on there though which not sure what to make of that i think from even though the comments seem to be yeah he's going all right home and and that i don't know just the way in some of the deliveries of like nico de boinville especially like he's not wanted to go talking that much about him um which is interesting, and even some of his summer, I think he went away for like Zara Tyndall to keep his mind, um, interested basically, I think, I think he is maybe churned sometimes, um, that his heart maybe isn't completely in the game, and as you say, you know, like, he's had to be cajoled along and stuff, so, if, if he's in the mood, you know what I mean, four to six, yeah, that looks pretty good price, Pick Dory is a very good horse for Paul Nichols. you know, he's, been a good servant to him, picked up plenty of races like this in the past, goes well here, will like the drawing ground as well, I mean, he's definitely a worthy adversary, but Shishkin's got his back number from when they met um, in February, Manila Drama as well is a, is a horse that I, I've always liked, you know, I mean, it's interesting that, they, that they're coming here, I mean, if he if he gets into uh, a nice lead, maybe he might be good enough to, to, to pick up second, I know he. Does have to reverse form with pick Dory from Aintree, But on RPRs, that was a career best. So, yeah, I I think he I think he's interested, maybe with in the without market, but and maybe shouldn't be as big a price as he is. Maybe a few points shorter, but yeah, Shishkin. I think it all revolves around him. Um, I think it was inevitable here as well that he, Nicky was going to turn up. I mean, he, he wouldn't want to give him a hard race. I think the King George is the number one plan. Um but you'd like to see him win this well. So for me, I'll probably just go with Shishkin, but not a race.
0: Right. So it's Team Shishkin on the podcast this week, which I'm glad to hear. Uh let's move on to the two oh five. It's the Coral Hurdle, the grade two, the Ascot hurdle, and Goshen is the market leader at nine to four. Theatre Glory at three to one. So Royale at Five to one, Blue King de Rue at 11 2 and strong leader at six to one. Quite a closely knit bunch in here, Chris. Um I didn't have too strong fancy. Of course, it would be nice to see Goshen uh win again. He will be better suited to this right-handed track, as we know. He's a bit of an enigma, difficult one to get right, but he is a really talented horse on his day. Are you gonna be going for Goshen here?
1: I won't be going for Goshen. But it wouldn't at all surprise me if he won. I mean, coming over this kind of track, right-hander track, he won the race last year. He's going to have plenty in his favour. Um, and if he's ridden forward, you know, he, he just could be too good for these. I mean, fit of glory for listeners of the podcast, followers of... I was
0: just thinking oh you're a big fan of this, was not you? I just remembered.
1: I am. I mean, I, I follow the canter banter syndicate quite closely um, I really like this mare, um, I was at Sandown when she finished third in the select hurdle, she wasn't beaten far behind Napa's and gosh, that was just such a messy race, I don't really know what to make of that form, um, I mean, she'll like the ground drying out, no questions about that, she's always been seen to best effect on it, She'd probably as well was going to want three miles, uh, at some point later this season, so, I respect her. She gets some Mare's allowance as well. So Royale is a horse that I love. Um, but I think his best days are behind him now. Blue King, Daru, is interesting. Getting the weight for age allowance. Um, you know, like, he, he's interesting for Harry Compton and Paul Nichols. And strong leader as well. I mean, he's 6-1. to one. I mean, he ran a stinker in the Welsh champion hurdle. But I think Ollie Murphy is such a stable that... When they're in form that's the time to back them i mean when when they're not amongst the winners don't back them i know i know some people don't believe in stable form but i really do believe in it with ollie murphy he's a he's a he's a hard trainer to catch right and i think you just want to see his horses in form and thankfully they've actually been in form the last few days i mean he's had a couple of winners at market raising today Thomas Darby was a good winner for the stable in a veterans chase at Warwick on Wednesday, so yeah, three out of the last four runners have won, so that's good indication to see coming into the weekend. He will probably improve as well for the step-up in and Tripp, and he'll want the better ground, so you can definitely make a case for him. I think I'm just going to go with my heart, fear, glory. I mean, I quite like Nico coming back on here, James Byrne, and Few others have ridden her in the past, but I do think Nico can get the best out of her. He's been riding really well in the last couple of weeks as well, so I do think of Glory. There's a lot in her favour, Um and I probably would just go with her head over her uh, heart over head in this one. The
0: last of the domestic action that we're going to look at on Saturday is the three fifteen Ascot. It's the Jim Barryhurst Park Handicap Chase Class Two. And Boot Hill, a course and distance winner, is the favourite at five to two. Sense at five to one. Corrigine Rock at six to one. Fred Arms at six to one. Orkan Risk and Triple Trade both at sevens, and bigger at the rest. Again, I didn't have too strong a fancy in here. I think there's a few that you can make a case for. A few horses that I've backed on plenty of occasions: Boot Hill, Sense Arms, and an old friend of mine, Orkan Risk, who's done me a few favours in the past. Triple trade, of course, recent minute. Chant them in here too for Joe Tizard. Uh, who was your fancy in here, Chris?
1: Yeah, well, I thought this was one of the best races of the weekend. Uh, I think this is an absolute cracking race. I mean, you can make a case for quite a few. As you touched upon there, Orkham Risk is a horse that I like, but maybe is... is catching up with him now he's had quite a lot of racing um and he's probably a little bit exposed boot hill i was with him last time when he won at ascot over the course and distance i thought he was really impressive that day um you know and he he would have to be high on the short list i think he'll confirm the form again with sansa galf just thought his turn of foot was electric and he's really suited uh by the course at ascot but the one i'm going to side with and it's interesting that they're turning him out again. I put him up at Cheltenham last week, and that, that's triple trade for Brendan Powell and Joe Tizard. This horse just keeps improving every single time um, he runs. Oh, I've been really impressed with him. He does have to carry a £5 penalty for last week's win, but he was only getting going at the end, and he he, he comfortably beat Calico. I think there was more up, up his sleeve than the winner mind suggested, but Calico... Is a criminally underrated horse. I mean, people were giving John Bond stick, thick uh, for when he got him off the bridle, like Alakai, But he went on to frame that for him because he won on his next start at Doncaster. And he's run an absolute blinder last time out at... A Chelham and Harry Skelton gave him a perfect ride and he had everything in his favour and I think Triple Trade did well to beat him. Going back the time before that as well, he he um, finished second behind Dancing on My Own. Not too long, not long till May was in that race. He obviously ran well in the Paddy Power Gold Cup, so that form's been working out. And go back to the two starts towards the end of last season when he won over two miles two at Kempton in a cancer off uh, off a big weight was really impressive that day. He um, won at Wincanton as well. So he's a horse that's won three out of his last four starts. And he's turning up in here off a lot, nice low racing weight, probably once a little bit further. Um, will be staying on well at the end, which is always something I like. You know, you always want to be finishing well at Ascot. And if he's not too far from off the pace, I can see him going really well. And I do think he is a is a big price there at 7-1. Personally, I, I think he should be second favourite in here. Probably around about the 4-1, 9-2 mark. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see actually the money come from him on the day. I think he'll probably be the one that the market supports. So, triple trade for me.
0: Triple trade it is for Chris. Yeah, definitely got a good chance after that recent win at Cheltenham. And you make a strong face for him there as well. And 7-1, to one, it looks to uh, present plenty of value in, as well. In each way values here in what is quite an open race. Right, we're going to move to sound because they've got a really good card at Punchestown on Saturday now the feature race on the card is the 2.35 the Univet Morgiana Hurdle the Grade one but it's only attracted a field of four which is quite disappointing that all these big races on Saturday have have only four runners in the fields but State Man is the favourite 3 to 1 on he looks, looks like he's going to be very difficult to beat Echoes in rain six to one. Pied Piper seven to one, and Fields to Dairies at forty to one. It looks like it's going to be quite a simple task for Statement. Did you agree, Chris?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't think this is going to take too long. Um, second mind, Constitution Hill, won all the the major Grade One hurdles in Ireland over two miles last season. Is majorly <laughs> better on the rest by. Uh, £9 on official ratings and it's good to see Willie Mullins in form. If this race had been run maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would have been going, oh, maybe he isn't quite a because some of Willie's have been running below par, but Willie's now 31% strike rate. He had two winners today at Thurls, um, so I'm not not concerned about the yard form anymore. Uh, Pied Piper, uh, I mean, he's got lots to prove. Um, Echoes and rain, yeah and- not sure. If this should just be, just should be a penalty kick for State Man if he's uh, in the right frame of mind. Yeah,
0: I'm a big fan of Pied Piper, but I can't see him getting close to State Man, and I don't think the softer ground is necessarily going to suit him either. So I think it should be, yeah, quite an easy reappearance for for State Man here. I think Echoes and Rain has attracted a little bit of market support, but. Um, not enough to really to move the market too much. And, yes, yeah, State, man, he should land another grade one in here. Was there anything else you wanted to look at across the cards on Saturday, Chris?
1: Yeah, there is actually on, on Saturday, um, talking at Punches, talking about Punchestown. Uh, I thought the Florida Pearl, <coughs> the grade two there, the, the novice chase over three miles, I thought that that was interesting. Um, we're going to see the form... Of uh, Florin Porter be put on the line again. Uh, beat Broadway Boy last time out. We saw that form boosted last week. Um, I wasn't overly enamoured by Florin Porter that day, but you you are seeing the form boosted there. Um, I just don't like horses when they get to about eight and they're coming in as a novice. I mean, um. William Mullins trained for him to be a Grade One novice chaser at the age of what was it, twelve or thirteen? So I mean it can happen, but I oh don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm just always a little bit concerned. Always like younger horses. Um I thought Sandor Clagan was interesting for Sean O'Keefe and Paul Nolan. Had some really good form last year, um, as a novice hurdler. He um Won at Punchestown last year. He finished third at the Dublin Racing Festival behind Good Land. He finished third in the Albert Bartlett behind um, Stay Away Face. So he's got a lot of good form. He made his chase debut last time out. I thought it was a good run. Um, that was over two miles. Stepping up in trip um, is definitely going to be a major positive. Um, so for me, I, I do think he's interesting. He's around about 11 to 2. Um, I thought that was fairly big um and i just think there could be a little bit more improvement to come over over this kind of distance so for me sendor clogan is one that uh, i'm going to be keeping an eye on this weekend in the florida pal
0: yeah, the florida Perth, looks a really great renewal actually um as you touched on Florian bought who made a great start to life of offenses at cheltenham he's always been a horse that has been described as quite quirky and I just describe him as a bit of a character, really. He is so talented on his day, and it was actually so nice to see him quite settled and and putting in a professional performance like that around Cheltenham. Um, because I was a little bit worried that how he takes offences, but, but although he made a couple of small errors, there was there was nothing major, and he did it nicely enough in the end. And of course, the form has been ranked by Broadbe. Rory Roy, and actually we've all been caught too I thought he definitely improved um, last week at Cheltenham I was quite impressed by him so I think yeah it's a good a good race um, Florim Porter I think will probably be the one to beat of course I think a few of the others have a bit to, to find to reach his level Sandifigon, um definitely needed further than two miles on his chasing debut and he should be much better this time around I thought Prolixios was quite a decent price considering how good he can be when he's at his best. Now, obviously, he's had his his issues and he was off for quite a while and he's unproven over this trip. So that's probably reflected in his price. But if he does cope with the extra distance, then I think he does have the class to be competitive. And you've got Maxim and Church and Warrior in there as well and Favori de Champdu, which makes for a really exciting race. so yeah, looking forward to that one. And also earlier on in the cards, Gaelic Warrior makes his chasing debut against the likes of Cool Survivor an Epic Song. I know the way you're thinking. So that'll be quite exciting too, to see him out. And he should make a winning start to life of offenses too if he if he jumps as as well as we can expect him to. Now, there's also an interesting card on Sunday at Punchestown. And the feature race is the John Durkin Memorial Punchestown Chase, grade one at 2.30 now. Of course, we don't have the final declarations yet, but Galloping the Stumps is the odds on favourite at nine to four on, Fast or Slow at nine to two, Blue Lord eight to one, Appreciate it, Conflated, 14s, Astira for Longe is in here at 16 to one, Statler, Farouk Delen, French Dynamite lots of quality horses here um all rated higher than 155 uh fruit Land, french dynamite both rated 155 and then the rest are, are much higher looking ahead at sunday at punchestown as well a good card on sunday uh feature race on the card is the 230 john durker memorial punchestown chase a grade one and galloping the champs is the odds on favorite to make a winning return um, if he is declared for that race of course we don't have the final declarations yet but the entries are fast or slow blue lord appreciate it conflated steering for launch statler through the french dynamite a really quality race if, if, if a few of these do turn up chris um what do you make of it
1: yeah it, it could be uh, a real um a real eye-opener um galvin de champ obviously should win, but fast or slow he did take his scalp last year at the Punchestown Town Festival. It's just knowing what's gonna run at this stage. I mean I think Blue Lord could be interesting over this kind of trip to maybe make a place. But it's all the Willie Mullins brigade. He's got quite a few in here. How many is he gonna run? Um I think it all revolves around Gallup in this race. He should win. But if fast or slow was to run it would definitely give it a bit of an edge wouldn't it um so yeah um good race have to wait to final declarations but i think fast or slow could be interesting and, and so could blue lord uh first time out over this trophy he, he does go well fresh so he, he'd be one i'd be keeping an eye on in the decks as well but on form Gallopin should win yeah i'm in agreement with you there, like, Gallopin. the shots
0: clearly the class of the field and not too much to add on that um, but we will wait for the final declarations tomorrow now before we do sign off i'm going to give a quick mention to the carpenter who's back out at ascot tomorrow on friday um hopefully he runs a good race he's a really a really nice horse i know that you quite liked him as well when you went to the open day at Nicky Henderson's in the spring and yeah, I've got a bit of an interest in the horse as well. So hopefully he runs uh, a brilliant race. And yeah, we're looking forward to the action on Saturday. Then is a really good weekend. Chris. Um, we've been spoiled these past these past few weeks with all the National Hunt vamp- ramping up. And it's going to be a great period now. And we've got Christmas coming. And yeah, lots to look forward to if you're a National Hunt fan or just a racing fan. Eh in general. Um, Thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast tonight. It's been quite a long one, hasn't it? But we had a lot to get through, a lot to talk about. So hopefully it was enjoyable for everyone. Please remember to follow us on all of the social media platforms and podcast platforms. And um, good luck with all of your selections this weekend. And please do remember to gamble responsibly. We'll be seeing you next week and you can let us know if you prefer myself or Chris hosting the podcast and um, future episodes. <laughs> so no, we'll see you next week.